In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the goal of our faith, what God has in store for us, what he intends, is really infinitely higher than we can imagine. And we can put it in some words. Theology has words for this. Scripture has some words, images, descriptions of it. But this is all human language to try grasping at a reality that human language falls infinitely short of being able to describe. What God wants for us, what he wants to give us, is infinitely greater than anything that we can imagine. And you should always keep that in mind. Always have that as the goal of your life. Heaven is not just a place where you get good stuff, where bad things don't happen. Heaven is infinitely more than any of us can possibly think of. And the human heart desires it. We are made to want more. This is why we always have an itch for more. This is why we're never satisfied. If you've noticed, hopefully you've had this experience where you want something and then you get it and it's not enough and then so you want something more and you get it and it's not enough and then you want something some more and you get it and it's still not enough and you keep going through the cycle. I hope that you have gone through this cycle because it's a principle that God is not just teaching us, but it's in, ingrained in our nature. We desire something infinitely more. So it doesn't matter how much we have in this life, it's never going to be enough, period. The human heart has more in its own mind than the entire universe can fit within it. And yet, all of our problems, all of our issues, all of the suffering, all of the pain, I can oversimplify the, the core of it. I want to oversimplify it. Of course, it's a lot more complicated. But just for the sake of brevity, I'm going to oversimplify it. All of our problems come from this search for something more. And wars are fought because there's a search for something more. Families break up because they want something more. People are divided among each other. People cheat one another. People lie. People will do all kinds of things. They'll do drugs. They'll ruin their lives because they're searching for something more and they're not finding it. The search is good, but it's also the cause of a lot of issues. What does a human heart really desire? It desires to see God. This is all over the place in the Bible. The Bible shows us that it's, it is ingrained in, the, in human nature to see God. We get this, let's say, from the Psalms. Just today during Ramsha, Vespers, uh, evening prayer, before Mass, we prayed, My heart yearns for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. The human heart yearns for and thirsts for God, to possess God, to be with God, to be possessed by God, to be one with God. Psalm 80 says, and we quote this a lot in our liturgy, uh, we use this for a lot of our antiphons, Anhar This means, 
show us your face and we shall be saved. Show us your face and we shall be saved. This is what we say to God. If you show us your face, we were going to be saved. What are, what are we going to be saved from? All of our issues, all the problems, all the, thing, all the issues of, of, of the human condition, all the suffering and pain of this life will be resolved if God shows us his face. What's the problem with that? The problem is Moses wanted to see the face of God. When God calls Moses from the burning bush, they have that exchange. God tells him, sends him on a mission to save the Israelites from Egypt. At the end of it, Moses says, can I see your face? And God says, no, you can't see my face. I'll show you my back. But if you see my face, you will die. And this becomes a theme in the Old Testament and in the New. No one can see the face of God and live. So there's, there's a problem here. If the resolution to all the human condition, if the desire of the human heart is to see the face of God, and yet we can't see the face of God and live, if the, then it looks like we're doomed for death. How do we resolve this? Well, the gospel reading today, I think, gives us a really good hint of that. In the gospel reading, there's a man who's blind from birth, and Jesus obviously heals him. He gives him his sight. And as I've said before in plenty of homilies, which I'm going to keep saying because it's a good thing to remember, Jesus' healings, Jesus' miracles, these are all, in the Gospel of John, they're all called signs. They're signposts. They point to something beyond themselves. Jesus doesn't heal the blind man just for the sake of healing the blind man or so, showing that Jesus can give sight to the blind. Certainly he can and he does. But he desires something more. It's a signpost that points to something more than that. In healing the blind man, the blind man has now just opened his eyes and now he can see. And what does he see first? He sees the Son of God. And if you remember from the Last Supper in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I'm going to go away and then I'm going to come back again. And where I'm going, you cannot come. And then Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and we shall be satisfied. You see, Philip is speaking for every single one of us when he says, Let's see, let, let us see God and our hearts will be fulfilled. And then Jesus responds with something very interesting. And he says, have you been with me so long, Philip, and you do not yet know me? You don't know yet that whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So that Jesus opens the eyes of the blind man. And the first thing that he sees is Jesus Christ. What the human heart desires, Jesus the face of Christ, the human face of Christ, is now the face of God. And now, in the human face of Jesus, we can see God and live. But not just see God and live. Remember what I said in the beginning. Our faith, God, desires to give us something infinitely more than we can ever imagine. When Moses, when Moses goes up Mount Sinai and he fasts 40 days and 40 nights and he speaks with God, when he comes back down from the mountain on his way down, his face is glowing with such a glow, with the glory of God so bright that the Israelites can't even look at him anymore. He has to cover his face so that they can look at him. When the blind man in the gospel reading sees Jesus, 
what happens afterwards? The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said yes, and some said no. Some said it is him, some said no, it's, it looks like him. What does it mean? He's seen Jesus and now he's completely transformed to the point that he's unrecognizable by the people around him, the people that used to see him. Brothers and sisters, God desires to give us the glory that was shown in the face of Moses when he came, come, came, when he came back down from Mount Sinai. He wants to give us the glory that was shown from our Lord on Mount Tabor when he was transfigured before the apostles and they couldn't even look at him because he was so bright and frightening with his glory. He wants to give us the glory that is beyond our imagination and the glory comes from God whom we see and in seeing him we become just like him and so his glory begins to shine forth from us. I'm going to end with this. There's a, in our martyr hymns, there's a really nice theology in, in our church. We don't come across it in the, in the words of the Mass, uh, and it's kind of sprinkled around in certain places, but among them is in the martyr hymns. One of them says, It means, the holy martyrs were clothed with light. This is a theology that comes out of our church that says that in the beginning, Adam and Eve were clothed. The, their, their clothing was not the leaves from the fig tree. Their clothing was the very glory of God. They were covered by the glory of God. And when they sin, the glory escaped them. And now they noticed each other's nakedness. And that with Christ with his mission, his crucifixion, and then our baptism into him and our union with him in the Eucharist and eventually at the end of time, we're going to receive that glorious light as clothing again. That is the goal. Brothers and sisters, our God wants to transform us. He doesn't just want to make life easy for us. He wants to transform us. He wants to deify us. He wants to elevate us. He wants to supernaturalize us. He wants to make us joyful beyond our comprehension. Joyful, which is painful for us now, which is why we can't look at God and survive. But he wants to build us up to the point where we can look at God and live and then be transformed and elevated by him for all of eternity in union with our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.